For the last? I mean the previous rock of mockery. I was into the idea of the role that the music would play because you can't use the hits, even though I play the hits on the radio in Shizuoka, Japan. I am Patrick Boggs. This is... Mockery Rocks, and we're recording on a Friday, which is after the Thursday, when the golfer by the name of Tiger got back on the course at Augusta National. But after the first round of play at Augusta, cue the music. The leader was a guy that I've never, ever heard of. Sometimes the not-so-famous golfer leads because the pack is waiting to make a surge. The guy who's not-so-famous is from South Korea, and I believe his name is Im, spelled I-M. But you understand, sometimes when they list names for Asian countries... They don't know that the family name is said first and the given name is said second. But in the same round where Mr. M came out on top, Tiger Woods was tied with a few guys for 10th. But I am most fascinated by the guy that won last time there was a Masters was a guy by the name of Hideki. Matsuyama is the family name. So here in Japan, where he is from, the Matsuyama is said first. He was the last winner. And only now, after knowing about the Masters all my life, only now did I learn that the last winner selects the menu for the champion's dinner. So they had things that were slightly Japanese for their dinner. And I hope they enjoyed it. Tiger Woods tied for the 10th place, and the the South Korean gentleman is on the top of the leaderboard. Oh, 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 how to cheer. So the people were cheering, go, Tiger. But if you are into the previous winner's culture... It's much easier to make sense and make a connection. In Japan, it is the year of the tiger. So the fans should be chanting 2022, the year of the tiger. They should be doing that. They should. But, you know, they didn't take my advice. I don't want to get serious quite yet. I have a serious little thing to read from the Wall Street Journal, but I I want to get into how I have been relaxing. Maybe too much. I need to work more. I need to try, try to do 
these rocks of mockery that will get people's attention, and I also need to write my book. I was interviewed by a fine young gentleman by way of FaceTime. That young gentleman is a high school student. He is my grandson. So I relaxed after the tension of the interview, and I relaxed and I watched something very entertaining. You might say that I binge-watched it. And the title is Goliath. Goliath is the series that is on Amazon. I didn't know I had some free things to watch on Amazon. My first experience with Amazon... Usually I'm into Netflix. Goliath on Amazon stars the famous actor Billy Bob. Billy Bob Thornton. And I really, really enjoyed the first eight episodes. Maybe that's a season. I don't know. I would recommend it if you, uh, if you, if you're walking around your house saying, wait a minute, what can I watch that will be entertaining? I might recommend Goliath. There's a lot of cussing, but I overlooked that somehow, some way. And now, getting down to business. The title is, What the 2008 Financial Crisis Remember? tells us about today's inflation surge. The 2008 financial crisis is when President Bush said, you guys get off the campaign trail. I need to talk to you because the economy is cratering. And he said that to Barack Obama and John McCain. They were, at that time, opposing each other in the race for the White House. But in the end, President Obama spoke at the funeral for John McCain. Remember those days when opposing candidates respected each other? Ah, yes, those were the days. The piece that I'm getting into from the Wall Street Journal was written by Greg Ip. Yeah, that's a name. The eruption of the financial crisis 14 years ago and the surge of inflation in the past year or past some odd months both caught the experts largely by surprise. The return of inflation like the 2008 financial crisis may end up fundamentally altering policymakers' mindsets and priorities. That's the key takeaway from a noteworthy speech by a guy by the name of Agustin Cars. Tens, general manager of the Bank for International Settlements. We need to be open to the possibility that the inflationary environment is changing fundamentally 
Mr. Carstens, a former head of Mexico's central bank, declared the lens we used to interpret economic developments since the 1990s may no longer be adequate. Mr. Carstens doesn't cite any similarities between the financial crisis and the return of inflation, as his speech was called. The parallel struck me immediately, so says the writer. The financial crisis was rooted in the assumption that markets are largely self-correcting. And individual firms and sectors could collapse without consequences for the broader financial system. Similarly, Mr. Carstens argues inflation was also self-correcting in the decades before the pandemic with price swings in one sector seldom spilling over to broader inflation trends. Central banks learned to look through supply shocks rather than jacking up interest rates in response. The low inflation environment gave central banks a great, if not unprecedented, leeway to place more weight on other objectives, such as economic growth and full employment, he noted. True, they recognized low interest rates could foment financial instability, something the Switzerland-based BIS a consortium of central banks regularly warned of, but inflation was not part of the trade-off. So says the speaker, not the writer. The speaker is Mr. Carstens. So what happened? Mr. Carstens starts with two important observations. First, the... Return of inflation was almost universally unexpected, including by the BIS. Inflation ended 2021 five percentage points higher than forecasters had expected at the start of the year in the U.S., and four points higher in the Eurozone, indicating to me the speaker, not the writer, not the speaker that the writer was talking about, indicating to me that it is not at all limited to the USA. Forecasts are often wrong, so said Mr. Carstens. But last year's errors went beyond what many regarded as plausible. Second, the return of inflation, while most pronounced in the U.S., is global. I was just talking about that. 
Inflation is now over 5% in 58% of advanced economies and over 7% in 55% of emerging economies. This isn't all due to energy. Inflation, excluding energy, has also accelerated widely. This suggests that U.S.-specific factors such as President Biden's stimulus last year may only explain one to two percentage points of the rise in inflation. For the rest, we need to look at global factors. Mr. Carstens noted demand bounced back far more quickly after pandemic-related shutdowns much more quickly than expected due in part to ample fiscal and monetary stimulus, which was crafted with a much weaker recovery in mind. The pandemic also shifted demand to goods from services. And demand still hasn't shifted back in the U.S. or anywhere else. Prices soared as demand for goods outstripped capacity. Yet this wasn't offset by deflation in services. Where demand was sluggish and prices tend to be sticky, in parentheses sticky, I don't know what they mean. Most economic models missed this because they base inflation on the level of aggregate demand rather than its composition. Most surprising was the sluggish response of supply to resurgent demand, which was the opposite of what happened after the 2008 financial crisis. Staggered lockdowns disrupted global value chains and logistics networks, revealing the fragility of just-in-time manufacturing systems. So, Mr. Carstens explained. Now, I read these things to you. I never read them all. Do you subscribe digitally to the Wall Street Journal? You don't. Oh, well. The supply of oil and other commodities was held back by a legacy of low investment and a reluctance by some producers, scared by previous price busts. And that's as far as I go. And now, the thank yous. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much for considering the things that I say on the podcast known as Mockery Rocks. <laughs>